remnants of it still like peeking still keep peeking through over there Kiptonian okay so yesterday we learned the marshal of the king in the field we had a very long uh, elaborate um, marshal which we spoke about outside of the text and then we saw inside the text in a much briefer version I do want to say that a lot of that comes from have you guys heard of Rabbi Yossi Faltiel? He's a teacher, he lives in Crown Heights, and he has tons and tons of shirim online called Inside Hasidah. So the elaboration of that whole marshal I heard from him, which is very much based on the Rebbe's Sikhas and Maimarim as well. Um, so definitely want to give credit there, and many of the ideas um, come from his classes. Today we're going to speak a little bit about the nimshal, the lesson from the mashal, from the analogy of the king in the field, which we already started to discuss yesterday. We're gonna, we didn't see it inside, so we're going to see it inside and bring out one or two extra points. And then we're going to um, touch on the question we kind of finished off with yesterday, which is why did Hashem structure Elul and Tishrei in the way that he did specifically in the context of the king in the field? Why didn't Hashem just reveal himself in all of his glory like he did um, over Pesach? You know that Hashem totally revealed himself during the time of Pesach to the point that the Jewish people were so inspired, their godly souls came like, to life in a way that they actually physically felt it and they ran out of Egypt because they wanted to be close to God. Why don't we have that same experience? And Elul, why is the king hide? Right? Why is the king available but not, not inspiring us to come towards him? Right. So we can say almost that the king is hiding in a way, accessible but not in our face. So we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit as well. Um, so we started to speak about the analogy, right? We said, what do we mean when we say that the king is in the field? What does that mean? What do you guys think? Slowly walking back to the past. That happens at the end of Elul. And in Elul, he's with us, right? Yeah. Like we can decide if we want to approach him or if we need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. He's not going to come and be like, hey guys, get up from your sofa, we're farming and come and join. Right. So, as, so if we speak now in purely, um, purely, I guess, the, what we call the nimshal, the lesson term, no king, no field, we say, Hashem's, yudgimu which we said Hashem's source of his mercies, his infinite mercies, Hashem as he shines infinitely, is available to every single Jew in the month of Elul in a way that he's not usually, but we don't feel that, right? We don't wake up in the morning and feel an extra closeness to Hashem in Elul. We feel just like we feel throughout the rest of the year. But if we take the initiative to reach out, to initiate that relationship, to make an effort to recommit our connection to God, God is close and he helps us. He helps us to actually feel that connection and strengthen that bond. And so that our Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur can be um, truly meaningful and have an impact on the awe that we feel of Hashem throughout the entire year, right? So that would be like no king, no field, just practically what's going on. Um, the altar touches on a point which we're going to see inside. When we, when we read the Nimshal as the altar explains it, and... So it doesn't say it explicitly, but I'll, I'll, so we'll zoom out for a minute and then we'll go inside and see it inside. And so when we say the king is in the field, right? When we say the Yud Gimel Midot are closer to us than they ever are throughout the year, 
because they're always shining, but now they're actually closed. Where exactly is that, right? So we know we said it's in Olam Hazeh. When, <coughs> when we use the term Olam Hazeh, what do we mean? This world. When we say this world, what do we mean? Not the not the world to come, the physical world. The, the world that we can see, comprehend, touch, maybe sort of comprehend, right? We're still trying to learn the world every day. But the physical world that we see around us, that's what we mean when we say this world. And so when we say Hashem's revealed in this world, that the king is in the field, what's the field? The physical world, a place where Jewish people work and do mitzvot and feed, so to speak, the angels and the souls and Hashem in, in, in the spiritual worlds. Um, but then the question is, so the king is in the field. Fields are very big. Where in the field? Is he in the vineyard? Is he in the orchards? Is he in the wheat field? We need to go out to greet the king, right? That's up to us. That's the whole point of Elul. That's the whole point of the mashal. We need to greet the king. He's here. He's in Olam Hazeh. He's accessible. He's close. We need to greet him. Where are we looking? In the field. What does the field mean? Olam Hazeh, this world. That's a big, big place right? So where are we going? Where, where are we going to greet the king? Where are, we, where are we going in the field? What do you guys think? Because it's so nice to say Hashem is close. Hashem is here. We just need to go out and greet him. It's like, okay, where do we go? Do we go to shul? Do we go to the mountains? Do we go to a meditation retreat? Do we pray? Like, where do we go? What do you guys think? world and like because Elul is nothing like it's not like a young it's not a young I feel like in a way it's kind of saying like we have to bring him into our everyday I don't know exactly like in terms of like the field I don't know exactly like where but I mean I don't know if it's just a thing of like bringing him into our everyday like just doing his like throughout the day so our mundane day-to-day life that's where we can actually find God Definitely, definitely. Where specifically, though? Where are we going to find the king? To greet the king? The answer is right here, within ourselves. And that is what the author was going to explain inside. That when we speak about the Yud Gimel Midot Harachamim, which are Hashem as he is, as his light is infinite, as it is unchanged, as it is un, uh, undefined and unlimited. That's very powerful. We said that that is coming down here, and we need to, if we want to access that, we need to approach that. Where do we go? Where is that found? And it's found within the soul of every single Jew. The soul of every single Jew is built in the makeup of the ten Sfirot and Etzilot, which we're going to discuss at length throughout the year, and we're going to also discuss within Elul, um, just not at the second. However, so there's a structure, there's the ten spirot, and then there's a ten spirot within us as well. We also have Chochma Binadat, we also have intellectual faculties, right? Chesed Gvoratiferet, our emotional faculties. We also have these emotions within ourselves. We have kindness, we have severity, we have, we have Rachamin, we have mercy, right? We have Netzachod Yisod, the more outward emotions. We have all of these within our soul as well. But when we say that Hashem's coming down within the Yudmim Gimel Midot we said it's 13, not 10, because the three represents 
Keser, right? The three represents Hashem's infinity. There's a point within us that's also infinite, within every single one of our soul. Because we come from Hashem, and we come from Hashem's infinity, and we also branch out in the way Hashem, so to speak, branches out to create the world into the ten spherot. But beyond that, there's a point within every single one of us that's completely undefined, unlimited, and infinite within every single one of our souls. And so what does it mean that Hashem is closer during this time? It means that we can find that closeness by going within. And if we can tap into that within ourselves, we're tapping into that within Hashem because it's the same point. It's the same infinite point. That which, which exists in Keter, in the Yud Gimum and that which exists within ourselves. However, usually we don't feel this point at all. When are times that a Jew feels this point? It says, sometimes on Yom Kippur, right? We'll like feel something really, really, really deep within us. That's that essential point that's essentially connected and infinite and one with Hashem. We don't usually feel that, right? We don't feel that in Elo, but it's closer to us. If we make that effort, to do that introspection, to do that work, that point that is more accessible, is closer to us to actually feel that. And when we can tap into the infinity that exists within every single one of us, us, we're tapping into the infinity of Hashem and we're actually greeting the king in the field. So we'll see what that looks like a little bit inside. But at the end of the day, in Elul, we don't need to run to Shul in order to greet the king, right? We don't need to run to meditation retreats and mountains and, and whatever you know, we associate with spirituality. We need to connect with ourselves, with who we really are. And when we can do that, which is not, not an easy thing to do, when we can do that, we are getting closer to Hashem. And when we do that specifically in Elul, we get help. And we, when we, what does that mean we get help? It feels more accessible to do. And when we actually make that effort, we will feel a connection with Hashem that if we had made that same effort throughout the year, we not necessarily would have felt something. So we get almost that, that help once we make that effort, that emotion. Does that make sense? Okay. So now, with that extra point, let's go and read the Nimshal, which is the lesson from the story and the analogy of the king in the field inside. So we're on page 64, so it's the second page. We're in the right column of 64, and we are one, oh, from the bottom, we're on the second paragraph from the bottom, which starts off with the Ha'arazu and this light. Oh, no, 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 sorry. We're on the paragraph right above that. So if you go from the top, one, two, three, it's the fourth paragraph from the top, which starts, Ki Hineksiv, that behold, it is written. Okay, if you're in English, gosh. Let me see quickly if you're in English where we are. Okay, right, if you're all, oh, but there's no page numbers in English. Um, but if you are following in the English, the word vakach to explain the analogy in the month of Elo, that's where we're up to in the English. And I actually looked through the English more. It's not an exact, exact translation. It has embellishments and lovely things. So, so if you're looking in the English, page one, page two, page three, it's at the bottom, bottom of page three to explain the analogy, okay? So let's go back to what we're going to be reading in the Hebrew over here. Okay. Kihineksiv. So we said before, right, the line right before says, now we can look at the lesson that in the month of Elul, we're going to greet 
the king in the field. What does that mean? Behold, it is written. It is written in Parshat Naso. Ya'er Hashem panav elecha. That Hashem should shine his face to you. Shehu inyan he'erat yudgimul midot. And this is referring to the concept of Hashem's 13 attributes of mercy. When we say Hashem should shine his face to you, panim, the word panim in Hebrew means face, and it comes from the word pnimiyot, which means internal. So we say Hashem should shine his face to you, his deepest self should be turning towards you. What does that represent? The yudgimul midot rachamim, which are a very, very deep part of Hashem, are turning towards us. Sheyiyeh, Panim, the panim. In order, so why are the Yudgimu Midotarachamim turning toward us in Elul? In order that we should have what's called Panim, the panim. Hashem's face, which reflects our face. Hashem's Pnimiyot, Hashem's essence, Hashem's infinity, which should reflect and respond with our own <coughs> essence and infinity. Dahainu, what does this mean? This means, Sheya'ir Giloi Pnimiyot Ritzono Itbarech. That Hashem's inner will should be revealed and should shine to the source of the souls of the Jewish people. So what do we mean when we say the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim are revealed in Elul? That Hashem is shining His countenance towards the souls of the Jewish people. So again, we say, where is the king in the field? He's in the souls of the Jewish people. In order that there will be Ikar Pnimiyut Ritzono the essence and inner part of the person, Elav Yitbarach, should then respond and turn toward Hashem. So Hashem reveals his Yod Kimum Achamim, and we respond by turning ourselves, our innermost being, towards Hashem. What does that look like, turning toward Hashem? To cleave to Hashem with our souls and with our hearts. Which means from the depth of the heart, the Mesirat Nefesh, with Mesirat Nefesh, which means self-sacrifice. So here it doesn't mean literally that we're going to be giving our life over to Hashem, but that part of our soul that exists in every single Jew, which is ready to give its life over to Hashem because it's so one and connected, that's the part that is shining toward Hashem in Elul. The He'arazu, and this light, Hinimshechet Bibchinat Kel. It, it's drawn down from the name of Hashem called Kel, Aleph Lamed, which we read Kel because it's one of the names of Hashem that we're not allowed to pronounce or erase. Hashem has, depends, the, there's two different opinions how many names of Hashem there are that we can't erase, either seven or ten. Kabbalah and Hasidut says ten. The Rambam and, and philosophers say seven. It's actually, there, it's not an argument, just Kabbalah takes the seven and expounds it into ten names. One of those names is Kel, which is considered one of the very high names of Hashem, Aleph Lamed. And this name of Kel is representative of the source of the Yud Gimomitot HaRachamim. Shehu Reishit Koa Yud Gimomitot. The name Kel is the beginning of all the 13 attributes. Umakoron, it's their source, the Klalusan, and it includes all of them. It encompasses all of the Yud Gimomitot HaRachamim. Do you guys know what the Yudgimu Medot Rachamim are? We've never actually spoken about it. What are they? They're, they're words. We say them. Do you know what they are? Yeah. So we said, right, we said the Yudgimu Medot Rachamim Hashem 
taught them to Moshe. Moshe said, teach me your tricks. Right? The Jewish people are going to sin again. What should they do? And these 13 Midot HaRachamim were revealed. Moshe brought down in the Torah. And Rashi says that we should say these words when we want to invoke Hashem's unlimited mercies. You guys may, uh, I don't know if this is a tune that's just used in South Africa, but Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum, Bechanun, Erech, Apayim, Rav Chesed, VMS, Mesa Chesed, Lalafim. Wow, I am singing on recording, I just realized. <laughs> We're going to take that out. <laughs> Beautiful. Nose Avon, Vafesha, Vachata, Vanake. We say this again and again and again, specifically on Yom Kippur, you'll notice. Because we're invoking the Yud Kimumido Tarachamim so we can tap into the unlimited mercies of Hashem so that we can be forgiven. Yeah. We're going to go into what exactly are the 13. So it's the, the problem with that, I'll tell you, is that there's many different opinions. Many different opinions. Um, according to Hasidus, the Hashem, Hashem at the beginning, we say Hashem, Hashem, which is Adonai, Adonai, which is the Yud Hei Vav and Hei, Yud Hei Vav and Hei. Those are not the Yud Gimomidot. Those are Hashem beyond the Yud Gimomidot, which is like way up there. And then Kel, Kel, Rachum, Vachanun, Erech, Apayim. Kel is the first one. Emet, Rav Chesed V Emet. Emet is the seventh one. And then okay, what's the last one? I don't remember. So there's, different, there's many, many different opinions how you break it down. Because if you look at all the words, Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, V'chanun, Erech, Apayim, Rav, Chesed, V'yemes, Noise, Chesed, Lalofem, Noise, Avon, V'vash. Like, you can break up those words many different ways to get 13. Okay? So, the context of this Maimar Chassidah says, the Hashem, Hashem at the beginning, or beyond your Gimomidot HaRachamim, starting with Kel, which is what we see here. So we said, Kel, the name of Kel of Hashem, is the first of the Yud Gimomidotarachamim, and it's the source of all of the Yud Gimomidotarachamim. Then we have Kel, we have Rachum, which means merciful, Chanun, Erechapayim, which means slow to anger, Rav Chesed, right? And then Emes is the, sec- is the seventh one, uh, it's the middle of the 13. Um, that's the order we're going to kind of be going with but there's many opinions of how exactly you count it to get the number 13. But the whole pasuk from the Torah, this whole verse, starting with Hashem, Hashem, is what Hashem taught Moshe Rabbeinu. That when we say these words, we are invoking these 13 midot harachamim. So just so you know that this is not just a, like, there's also like words that we say, right? And, and you'll notice on Yom Kippur, we're saying them again and again and again, we say them throughout the prayer. Um, now you'll know what that is. So what's the context here? The Alter Rebbe is saying, Kel, the name Kel, and we'll see why this is relevant. The name of Hashem Kel is the first of the Yud Gimu It's the source of Hashem's mercies, and it encompasses all of the Yud Gimu within it. Why is this important to know? Because it says here, where did we finish off inside? Do, 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 do. Kel Hashem v'ya'er lanu. As it says, Kel Hashem, Hashem is Kel. Hashem goes by his name Kel. And the context of Hashem's names, we're going to discuss throughout the year as well. What does it mean Hashem has a name? Um, yeah, so we'll definitely get to that as well. V'ya'er lanu, and he shines to us. Hashem is Kel and it shines upon us. Shehol b'chinat or ein sof. This is representative of Hashem's infinite light. Baruch Hu Mamamish, as it is literally. So the Alter Rebbe is explaining here what we said yesterday, that when we say the Yud Gimu Midot Rachamim are unlimited, and that they're shining here, they're shining here still in their unlimited form. So 
Usually when Hashem shines his light onto the Jewish people and into the physical world, it comes through many, many contractions and concealments because we can't handle the light as it is. When it comes to Yud Kimu Hashem packaged it in a way that we get the infinity even down here. And that's represented by the name of Kel, which is the first and the encompassing name of the Yud Kimu And we are receiving Hashem's infinity down here. The altar uses the word Mamash. Mamash means... Literally, not like a nice sound, literally. How that's possible, only Hashem can do such a thing. Give infinity to, to something finite. As it is written in Parshat Ve'et Hanan, Ki Havaya Elokecha, because Hashem, your God, Eish Ochlahu, is a fire that consumes. Perosh, this means, Kmola Mashal, for example, Ziv v'ar, the ray and the light, ha'esh, of fire, ha'yotzeh min ha'esh atzmo, which he exits from the fire. So we have fire, and then we have the light of the fire, right? Now we, so imagine it's dark. It's pitch black, and we light a fire. There's the fire, and then there's the light that the fire gives us. She'bichlaluso, generally, ein bashum hitchalkos, there is no distinction between the fire and the rays and light that exit from this. And then the big example that's brought many times in Hasidus is about the sun. There's the sun, which is fire, right? And there's the light of the sun. Would you say that the light of the sun is independent from the sun? It's, this, it's an extension of the sun. It's, it's just a result, an emanation of the sun. So the idea is that there's Hashem, who's a burning fire, as we see in the Pasuk from Vetranan, that Hashem is a fire that consumes. And then we have this concept of Hashem's light. When we speak about Hashem's light, we're speaking about an extension, not something separate from Hashem himself. So just as there's fire and there's the light of fire, there's the sun, there's the light of the sun, there's Hashem in his infinity and there's the light that automatically comes out because Hashem is so powerful that comes out from it. Why is this important? Um, there's two very different approaches. When it comes to philosophy, right, philosophy, Jewish philosophy, looks at the world and says, what can we understand about Hashem from looking at the world? And in philosophy, there is Hashem and there is creation. There's no such thing as a middle. There's Hashem and there's creation. So when we speak about, and I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this here, that when we speak about the Sfirot, according to philosophy, we're speaking about creations. There's Hashem. He created separate beings with their own sense of existence called Midot, the ten Midot, which he uses as tools to run the world. What does Kabbalah and Hasidut say? No, no, no. Sfirot, when we speak about Hashem's or Sof, his unlimited light, it's like the sun and its rays. It's not separate. It's not a separate existence. It's an extension from the source itself. So when we say that Hashem's infinite light, the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim are shining, that Hashem is a consuming fire. What do we mean? That these are an extension of Hashem himself, not a separate existence or a separate creation. Ve'lachen, are we up to Ve'lachen? No, no, no. Where did I just finish off? Kedyachal Herat Panim, Hanim Shachmimim. Oh, so we said, so too, there's no division, there's no separation between Hashem, Leziv Ve'or, and between the light and the rays, which extend out from him. So too, 
is this shining of Hashem's face, his turning of his face, Hamer, which shines, Leklalut Yisrael, that shines to the Jewish people, Humibchinat Kel. It's also on this level of Kel, this infinite level of Hashem. Shehobchinat Orein Sof, this is the level of Hashem's infinite light, Baruch Hu Mamash, literally Him. So what does that mean? That just as that the light that comes from Hashem is one with Hashem, and therefore it's infinite, we, the Jewish people, the souls of the Jewish people are an extension of Hashem, and therefore we have a point within us that is literally infinite light of Hashem. That's literally an extension of Hashem. There's not Hashem, and then he created the souls of the Jewish people. That's, that means that there's not really much of a connection, right? No, there's Hashem. There's the light that emanates from Hashem, which is the beginning and the source of the Jewish soul. And then there's obviously the creation of the body. So we are an extension of Hashem. And we have this infinity within us. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. This is, this is where the, the altar is going with, with this idea. And therefore, Nikra, we are called, what's the name of the Jewish people? Yisrael. Right? We had many forefathers, many leaders. We're called specifically Yisrael, which is the second name that was given to Jacob, Yaakov, our forefather. Why are we called Yisrael? Milashon, because if we break up the word Yisrael, we see Sar, right? The sin and the resh. Sar, which means a minister. And then what are the last two letters? Kel, Kel the name of Hashem, that represents Hashem's infinity and an extension of Hashem. Sar ministers Kel, of Kel. And why is there a Yud at the beginning? Hayud, because it's a grammatical thing. Hayud more al hatmadatapula. When we have a Yud at the beginning of a word, it shows a consistency. Uh, how do you say hatmada? Uh, permanency. Kamo kacha ye'ased. So it brings in, the altar is bringing an example from another place showing how a Yud at the beginning of the word takes a word and makes it Permanent. Yeaseh. So it will be done forever. Upeirosha. What does this mean? Shebechinat kel. That this aspect and level called kel, which is the source of the yud, gimel harachamim, which is an extension of Hashem and his unlimited light, Husar is what rules. It's the minister, Umashel, and it rules the kirbo within every single one of us. What is ruling our soul? This level called Kel. Sar means a minister. It rules over us. Which aspect rules over us? The aspect of Kel. So when we speak about a Jewish person's neshama, a soul, it's a direct extension of Hashem's infinity. So when we say that Hashem's infinity is shining down here, where is it directly shining? Where it has a connection. Where does it have that connection with the infinity that exists within the soul of every single Jew, which is represented by this idea of Sarkel. So if anybody asks you why you call the sons of Israel, right? Yisrael, because Sarkel, because the point within every single one of us, which is called Kel, is infinite, and that's actually what rules over us. That's our source. Why the Yud at the beginning? Because it's constant. It's not sometimes, it's all the time. We don't feel it all the time, but it's always there. So our soul is always infinite, and it's always totally one and connected with Hashem. Dehainu, this means sheyesh bekol nefesh mi Yisrael, that every single Jew of the Jewish people has nitzutz elakut mamash, a spark of godliness, again, mamash, 
literally, not metaphorically, not a nice idea, but literally, which gives life to his godly soul. And naturally, it draws him lamala above la'or ba'or ha'chayim to the source of all life, which is Hashem. Limsor nafsho, and it's in a constant state of wanting to give over its soul a love yisparach to Hashem. And this level, vahu, this level of our soul, lamala minachachma, is beyond our intellect, vadas, and our understanding sheba nafsho that exists within our soul. So as we said, within every single one of our soul, we have a blueprint that mirrors the midot, the sfirot of how Hashem created the world. So we have chokhmah, we have bina, we have dat, with, that's the makeup of our soul. But we have the source called kel that's beyond all of that. And that is in a constant state of wanting to reach up above toward its source, Hashem, just as a flame is always going upwards toward its source, which is the sun, the moon, I don't know. What's the source of fire? Hasidah speaks about it. It completely just went out of my head. Um, it's the source of fire. I think it, it's brought that it's the moon. Don't quote me on that. Um, so just as a flame is constantly going upwards toward its source of light, so to our soul, because it's literally one with Hashem, it's that infinite part is con- constantly in a state of going upwards and yearning to be one with its source with Hashem. Because through our intellectual faculties, the soul has intellectual capabilities and faculties. If we use those, we would not be able to comprehend this level. No matter how much we try, we can't comprehend this level. To completely nullify himself, completely to give ourselves over to Hashem. So the moment that spark manifests himself within wisdom, intellect, understanding, emotions, we kind of lose touch. We lose touch with the truth of what our soul really yearns for because that doesn't, infinity doesn't fit within frameworks. Intellect is already a framework. So the, the infinite spark within us, we lose touch with that because we can't really understand infinity. We don't, we don't really understand what it means to be in a constant state of wanting to give ourselves over to Hashem, right? Otherwise, we would be tzaddikim. We would not be regular people. <coughs> but that spark is always there. It's always yearning. It's always burning. And it's always connected. Okay. Vizel, and this is why it says in Parshat Re'eh, Banim atem lahavaya elokechem. You are sons to Hashem, your God. Ki bara, because Hashem created us, karaya dahuva. Like a... Like a uh, who, who, how do we translate this? I don't remember. Ahuva means either avuha, which means la, which means a father. Kara'a either means a shepherd or something else. I think it means a shepherding father. It's from the Zohar. I have to check. It's from Kabbalah. Who? This means shenichval beretzona shalaviv. That every single soul is included within the will. Of the Father, without any sort of explanation and reasoning, just like a foot, which is nullified to the head, and it has absolutely no will of its own. So when we can understand that we have an extension, literally, of Hashem within every single one of us, 
That's like the relationship that a father has with a son. Why does a father and a son have a relationship? You can sit and start to explain all the time, or, or father and a daughter. You can say, oh, because the father loves him. Okay, what if the father doesn't love them? Oh, because the son has respect. What if... What, the connection between a father and a son doesn't need to be explained because it's beyond reason. There's an essential bond there. There's an essential connection. The child comes from the essence of the father. So too, our connection with Hashem. It's beyond, it goes beyond reason. So we could say, why do we have a connection with Hashem? Because we do mitzvot or because Hashem chose us. But what's the truth? That it's beyond reason. We are essentially bound in one with Hashem. We're an extension of Hashem. We have that point within every single one of us. V'zeo, and this is what it means when it says, the pasuk, batel ratzoncha mepnei ratzono. That we need to nullify our own desire in the face of Hashem's desire. Shebechtei sheya'ir el ha'adam. In order to have this infinity of Hashem shine on a person, bechinat pnimiyut ratzono yitbarach Hashem's true essence and infinity to shine on the person, the person needs to nullify his own desires, that he won't have any other desire other than for Hashem. So where are we going here? We read a lot inside. I hope that anyone who was keeping up in the Hebrew kept up like they wanted to and anyone who wasn't kind of followed. Um, before I elaborate, does anyone have any questions or comments? Yes. Israel is like when you when you bring it down, it's like permanent ministerial Hashem, right? In some capacity. That that not the permanent minister of Hashem, but that the name of Hashem is a permanent minister over our souls, over us. Yes. You want me to elaborate on that? Yes. Definitely. Okay. So Yisrael, Sar means a minister. What's a minister? Somebody who rules over, who's in charge. Who is in charge? of our soul, the name of Hashem Kel. That essential point that we have within every single one of us. That's the source of the life of our soul and that's the truth of our soul and that's what rules over our soul. And in the Yud means constantly. So what does that practically mean? That every single one of us has a part of us, the deepest part of our soul, that is constantly in a state of oneness with Hashem. That's what the name Kel represents. Kel is a very, very lofty name of Hashem, which represents an extension of Hashem's unlimitedness. There's Hashem as He is, so to speak, as a fire, as the source of light, and then there's the extension, which are the rays of light. Kel represents those rays, which, which shows an essential connection. Okay. So, like, in Hebrew school, we're taught Yisrael means somebody who wrestles with angels. Is that just, like, what they tell us so that we won't ask too many questions? No, no, no. We'll get to this stuff later, or? That's where Yaakov got his name Yisrael. So Yaakov, Jacob, our third forefather, who is the father of all the Jewish people because Avram had, um, had Yishmael, who's the father of, right, of, of, of the Muslims, of, of the Arabs. And um, Yitzchak had Esav, who's the father of like, Edom, Romans, Christians. So ya- practically speaking, Yaakov is our forefather of the Jewish people because all of his children remain Jewish. So all the Jewish people come from Yaakov. So we're called Bnei Yisrael. We're called the sons of Yaakov. Yaakov had a, had a wrestling match. That happened. <laughs> it was brought down in the Torah with the angel of his twin brother, Esau. And when he eventually won, he got injured, but he eventually won over this angel. He, Hashem gave him a new name, Yisrael. 
and we're specifically called after his new name of Yisrael. And if we look at why on a deeper level, we can see what does Yisrael represent, that essential connection that every single Jewish soul has with Hashem constantly. So they, they, they were telling you the story as it was simply. We're going like into Kabbalah here, you know. Um, <laughs> so that, that is the story. That's where it happened. Um, and I'm sure there's many connections about why specifically Yaakov overcoming Esau's angel warranted him this new name of Yisrael. I don't know in the moment right now um, what that is. Um, but practically, we're called the sons of Israel. We're called the sons of Yaakov, but specifically his name Israel, which he got after he wrestled with the angel of Esau. Sure. Um, the, is, in, in the light, like how does that go into the into the 10 sphere so on Sunday we're going to speak about that that's my class for Sunday uh, no because it's very important and, and you're the one who asked the question like where does it fit into here so so I decided that we're going to finish chapter one before we go into chapter two we're going to look at the sphere then we're going to speak a little bit about teshuva then we're going to see inside chapter two practically how the altar Rebbe is giving us advice for teshuva in advice for going out to greet the king in this manner um, or in sof in one word for now, is Hashem's infinite light before it went and invested itself into the vessels which are called the Sfirot. So we have all of these frameworks. We have Hashem's intellect, we have Hashem's emotions, right? That's the Chochmah bin Adat and then the Chesed Gvortiferet. What's beyond Hashem's intellect? His unlimited light. That's undefined by intellect and emotions and right and left and bottom and top. Um, and it's within the framework of what we, what we see Keser is above all of these Sfirot, all the way at the top. It's the crown. So when we say Oren Sof in this context, we're speaking about that level. A level of Hashem that transcends, his, that transcends the order of creation and the blueprint of the world and the blueprint of our souls. And that point that transcends the blueprint of the world and the order of creation we have within us as well because we transcend creation as well we transcend that order because we're not a creation like everything else. Part of us is, but our soul is not. Our soul is an extension, not a creation. And we're going to speak about that on Sunday. What's the difference between a creation? What do we mean when we say the light of Hashem? Um, what's the difference? Is light not a creation? And we'll speak a little bit about the Sfirot. And we'll see the importance of the Sfirot within the context of Elul and Tishrei because we speak a lot about accepting Hashem as a king. And that's actually one of the sefirot is malchut. Malchut means kingship, right? The word melech. So it's very relevant to see where, where this kind of fits. Um, so we'll have a class on it on Sunday. But for now, when we say Oren Sof, we mean Hashem as he is unlimited, as he transcends not only the physical world, but also the spiritual world and the makeup that brings them into being. Okay. Um, any other questions or comments? Okay. So the, as we see, the way the Altar Rebbe explains the mashal is a little bit more technical, right? We said the king is in the field. What does that mean? Yud Gimel Midot Rachamim are revealed. We need to make the effort in Elul. The altar goes technical to answer that question of where in the field are we going? And the answer is we're tapping into the truth of who we really are and what we truly desire, which is that connection with Hashem. We always desire that, but we aren't in touch with it because it transcends our reason and our emotions. And we're only in touch with our intellect and our emotions. But when we can try to transcend that and to tap into that element of ourselves, that infinite bond we share with Hashem, we'll realize that Hashem is actually 
really close during this time and helps us to do that. Okay, practically now, how do we tap into our infinity? That's, that's chapter two. And also that's the whole idea of what we speak about with Teshuvah. Teshuvah means to return, to return to where you once were, right? Where were we once? We were this infinite part of Hashem. That's the truth of who we are. So we, we're not creating a new reality when we're doing Teshuvah. We're not creating a new reality in Elul. We're returning to who we really are and what we truly desire. So I'll finish off with that for today and for the week. Sunday, we will go a little bit into the Sfirot. Just a little bit of an overview. Whoever is here throughout the year, we're going to go more and more kind of into it uh, in different contexts. But we'll, we'll have an overview of what we're talking about when we mean Sof, what we're talking about when we mean Malchut, what do we mean when we say a Sfira, what does all of this mean? So we're going to discuss that on Sunday, please God. Hopefully, hopefully adequately enough to continue then with chapter two from Monday. Okay. Had a wonderful work first week with you guys. Really enjoyed. Enjoy your Shabbos.